once again to the Perimeter Church podcast. How did you discover what you are good at in your work and life? Was it something you always knew, or did you try various paths before finding the ones that stuck? Lead teacher Jeff Norris continues the series The Gift and the Giver with this sermon entitled Talents, which covers 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 7, and 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, good morning, Perimeter Church. Our scripture reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. I'll be reading, as uh, Pastor Jeff said, both in English and in Spanish. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. No quiero, hermanos, que ignoréis acerca de los dones espirituales. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Sabéis que cuando eras gentiles, se os extraviaba llevándoos como se os lleva a los ídolos mudos. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Por tanto, os hago saber que nadie que hable por el Espíritu de Dios dice de Jesús sea anatema. Como tampoco nadie puede exclamar Jesús es el Señor, sino por el Espíritu Santo. Now, there are variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Ahora bien, Hay diversidad de dones, pero el Espíritu es el mismo. Hay diversidad de ministerios, pero el Señor es el mismo. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Y hay diversidad de actividades, pero Dios que hace todas las cosas en todos es el mismo. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Pero a cada uno le es dada la manifestación del Espíritu para el bien de todos. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Al. Yes. Let's pray aloud together our prayer of illumination. Father, in the wilderness of our hearts, prepare the way of the Lord. Through your word and by your spirit, bring life to our barren souls. Lift up every valley, lay low every mountain, and reveal your glory in Christ, that we may see it together as your people. In Christ's name, amen and amen. We're in a series that is, uh, it's all about giving. And not just, typically we hear giving, we all automatically think monetarily, financially, but it's really, even as we heard last week, it's it's about giving in every aspect of who we are. Uh, If you go back two weeks, we launched into the series just first and foremost and most importantly, considering the character of God, that he is the most extraordinary, unthinkable, unimaginable of givers. The extent to which he has given is incomparable. It's... It's amazing. John 3.16 
told us that for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. And if giving is measured by the value of the gift, then God wins. <laughs> no one could ever outgive God because he gave us himself, the Son of God himself, Jesus, as a ransom for our sins, the very one who came to achieve for us the standard that we could never achieve, perfection, who attained the standard of the law in our place, who then swapped places with us, taking upon himself the very penalty of sin, which is death, and so crucified in our place, and then achieving the greatest of feats for us, which is conquering the penalty of sin, which is death, by overcoming the grave, and then offering to us by faith that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So by faith, through trust in Jesus, we now have the incredible privilege to get what Christ has, meaning his righteousness, that now we stand before God through faith in Christ as one who is declared righteous. Our sin is no longer what defines us before God, but the righteousness of Jesus, and therefore we are accepted. But we're not just accepted and declared righteous, we're given the same resurrection power. That through the finished work of Jesus, we too overcome the grave. We too rise from the dead, both in this life now in the sense that, that sin no longer has dominion over us, but in the next life to come that physical death is not the end and that there will be a day, there will be a day when Christ returns and reunites us with our physical bodies that are in the grave and we will live with him in a physical new heavens and new earth for all of eternity. This is the good news of the gospel. And when we consider that God gave that to us, we did nothing to earn it, we did nothing to achieve it. In fact, what, our, uh, what we wanted, what we achieved, so to speak, was separation from God and the wrath of God upon us because of our sin, yet he gave Jesus. He gave eternal life, he gave grace, he gave mercy, he gave the most infinite of gifts and value. So we start there because any giving in the Christian sense has to be rooted out of that gospel, has to be tied to the character of God as the one who is the extraordinary giver and who now courses, if you're a Christian, his very spirit courses through our veins, so to speak. We are indwelt by God to be like him. And if we are like God, that has all kinds of implications, but one of those implications is that we give like God. We give sacrificially, we give selflessly, we give in such a way that is ex extraordinary in comparison to how the world might define giving. And we give not just things, not just concepts, we give ourselves first to God and then to each other. We die to self for the sake of the glory of God and his kingdom. So we started there, then last week, Caleb led us through what that looks like in, in considering time even. That our time on earth is limited. That in Psalm 90, we are, Moses teaches us to pray that God, would you help us to number our days and give us wisdom, make our lives significant, 
Give us the ability to see how short this time that you've given us here on earth is. And so as we consider our time, how will we give it to the things of God? How will we carry ourselves in such a way and invest the time that God has given us in such a way that would bring him glory and expand his kingdom? That we would live with godly wisdom as we unite ourselves to the one who is wisdom, Jesus. And so this week, as we consider where all this moves us in terms of our talent, our talent. So we think about our time, we think about our talent. Next week, we'll, we'll think about our treasures. But our talent, and the way that the Bible most often speaks of talent, although it uses that word often, is how we'll look at it this morning is, is, is we consider our, our gifts, our spiritual gifts, the things that God has given us as followers of Christ to be used in the context of the church and in the context of the world to bring him glory and expand his kingdom. How will we use our talents? One way to think about it is when we consider uh, the, the church itself, the, 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 the gathered body, and we'll think in two ways this morning. We'll think about the gathered body and we'll think about the scattered body of believers out in the world. But we'll start with the gathered body. And when we think about the gathered church, an overused and, and probably long, uh, long used and probably overused illustration, but it still remains true, is to think about a sporting event, a stadium, where you have, you know, even if you consider all these football games that we watch every Saturday, you got 90,000 fans who are sitting there watching 22 guys on the field pour themselves out, use their talents to entertain the crowds. And, and it's, it's not apples to apples, it's not the, at, certain, at a certain level, not a fair illustration or comparison, but there are some things that we can say, you know, sometimes church can be that way. Where, where we, we gather and we sit and we participate at some level, but we don't use our gifts to the edification of the body and for the expansion of the kingdom of God. If there's anything in the world today in, in the American church, in the Western church, and in, in, in some parts of the world that has been most damaging to the church over the last 50 years, stunted the church even over the last 50 years, it's consumerism. It's, it's, it's participatory, it's I come and, and I, uh, not participatory, that's not the word I wanna use, it's spectator worship. It's come and, and watch and take and go home. Uh, the, the average, if we speak specifically here about, about this church, about Perimeter Church, the average perimeter attender and, and at some level member of the church comes twice a month and doesn't serve in any capacity in the church. I don't say that to bring shame or guilt. It's just, I'm just saying that's the reality. And for most churchgoers, that's how it goes. We, we have, we've created in many ways, a spectator worship experience rather than a, I want to pour myself out into the kingdom of God reality. And that's a struggle. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle because even as it pertains last week to what, was, what we considered with time, is we, we have so very little time, or at least we convince ourselves of that. Here's the main idea of what I want you to grasp onto and where we're headed in this text in 1 Corinthians. Spirit-filled Jesus people, as I might call it, 
Spirit-filled Jesus people selflessly using their spiritual gifts to the glory of God does two things. First, it edifies the church. Secondly, it changes the world. Spirit-filled Jesus people using their spiritual gifts edifies the church and ultimately changes the world. In this passage that Dr. Al read for us, 1 Corinthians 12, one through seven, there's three things that we learn about spiritual gifts, about our talents. Here's the first one. We learn about the idolatry issue and lordship of Christ issue as it pertains to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, idolatry, and the lordship of Christ. Listen to how it starts, verses one through three. Now concerning spiritual gifts, now let me just pause and say this, Paul's answering a question. The Corinthians have written Paul, it's a letter that we don't have. There's also a letter that Paul has, has written to them that they're responding to that we don't have uh, in the scriptures. And so they've asked him about spiritual gifts. The context of Corinth is that they have been in, really in many ways abusing spiritual gifts and they've been elevating some gifts as more important than the others, namely speaking in tongues and uh, in the, the gifts of prophecy. And, and so Paul, as they've written back on that, he's, he's talked to them some about it, and now he's answering their question about spiritual gifts. So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, unaware, ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, before you knew Jesus, you were led astray to mute, other words that can be used there are dumb, silent, speechless idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This is a strange way to start addressing spiritual gifts, is it not? What's he talking about here? Well, clearly, he thinks that they are uninformed about spiritual gifts, that they are at some level ignorant about spiritual gifts, and he wants to anchor them where they need to be anchored. And what he does in doing that is tie it back to idolatry and lordship, to submitting ourselves under the lordship of Christ and understanding how our idols, our heart idols, the things that we attach ourselves to can play into this whole scenario with spiritual gifts. Apparently, either in the church there in Corinth or some outside the church who are trying to dissuade and, and, and mislead the church are saying that Jesus is accursed. Who's saying that? We don't know. Perhaps the Jews. Perhaps they're looking at Deuteronomy 21, 23 and that verse that says anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse and they're saying, look, Jesus was hung on a tree. You're, you're worshiping someone who was cursed and they're trying to pull them away from the faith. That may be one. Maybe it's the Gnostic teachers of the day that were so very common that Paul spoke out against a lot because they would separate the spiritual from the physical. And so maybe they're saying that because Jesus' body was killed on a cross that he's cursed in that way. But again, we don't know. Maybe it's people in the church who are just really misled in understanding what Christianity is about, and, and they're, they're saying that. Here's what Paul's saying, though. He's simply using language to convey one overarching, deeply true reality, and it's this. Where the Holy Spirit of God is, where he is present, one joyfully confesses and proclaims Jesus as Lord. 
and allows Jesus to destroy idols in the heart. Paul's saying, remember who you were before Christ, how you gave yourself to those idols, how you, uh, you invested who you were into those things that ultimately bring about death. Now, those are dead to you. They have no power over you. They're mute. They're speechless. They're dumb. They, they cannot do what Christ does for you. And so submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ and now give yourself fully to him and to his kingdom. How does this play into spiritual gifts? Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, take what God has given you and gifted you and the abilities that he's given you through the power of, of the spirit within you and turn them away from those old things and turn them to now who is your Lord Jesus. The follower of Christ's ability to live out our spiritual giftedness is directly tied to our willingness to submit to him as Lord and let him continue to destroy the idols of the heart. We struggle to uh, live out this giftedness often, often due to this very issue. We think about our time and we think about our talents. Serving the Lord almost always requires sacrifice to the things that our flesh wants to run to. The things that our old self is often talked about in scripture in Ephesians and Colossians, Romans. The old self, the things that we want to invest time and talent into, some of which are easy to identify as sinful, but others of which aren't necessarily sinful in nature. They're good things, but that we tend to devote so much time and talent and treasure to that they become distractions to what God wants us to be focused on as it pertains to the Lordship of Christ and the kingdom of God. So it's easy over here in some way to identify, okay, these are the things I used to be about that are overtly sinful that I'm not going to be about anymore in terms of what I invest in. Those are easy to identify because they're clearly sin. It's, the, it's those other things that by nature aren't sinful, but that we can make idols. What is an idol? Things that we worship in place of Christ. How do we know we're worshiping it? Well, typically our, how we spend, how we invest, how we allot our time, treasures, and talents indicate who our real gods are. And this is dating, this is an old quote, but I can remember uh, a guy many, many years ago uh, who came in when I was with Campus Crusade for Christ, who came in to do some, some training with students on, on budgeting. And I remember him saying, show me your checkbook and I'll show you who your God is. Now, a lot of us now, younger folks are like, what's a checkbook? Show me your financial statement, right? Show me your credit card statement. Show me your debit card statement. I'll show you who your God is. That's a little harsh in sense of, is that fair? You know, but, but what he's saying is that indicates for us where I invest, not just money again, it's time, it's my gifts, my talents, indicates what my idols are. I want you to think about it this way. Imagine that, and he's connecting this, by the way, to the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit is, we gladly and cheerfully say, Jesus is Lord. I give it all to him. 
right? And so I want you to think about the Holy Spirit within us. Think about it like um, the Spirit is this reservoir within us, this, this reservoir of, of the fountain of living waters within us. And, uh, and it's being held together by this levee, this dam. And what God, when we think about being filled with the Spirit, that's the Spirit overflowing out of that reservoir into every area of our lives. But typically what tends to happen, even as Christians, we still struggle with this reality. We still struggle with, we want that reservoir not necessarily to spill over. We don't want the Spirit to spill over. We want to control Him, not Him control us. And what we've done is down in the valley below the dam, we've built some some little villages and houses that we like, and those are the idols. And we like to keep those separate. We like to say, yes, Holy Spirit, you're in me, and you're that reservoir, but I don't really like, I really don't want you to spill over, because if you do, then you're gonna destroy these nice little homes that I've built that I'm comfortable with, that I really like to live in and dwell in, and those, those are my idols. Those are the things I really want to have both of, that and you. And God teaches us the longer we walk with him to say, oh God, would you break the dam of my heart? Would you destroy the levees that the spirit of the fountain of living waters would come through and into that valley and wipe away and destroy those idols? And it will be painful, it will be difficult, it will be hard, but it actually presents the opportunity once you've wiped those away to bring a renewing work within me to do the work that you came to do in my heart so that my life may look like what it's supposed to look like in terms of the kingdom of God, not the way in which I want to orient my kingdom. What Paul is saying is he's saying, if we're gonna talk spiritual gifts, church in Corinth, if we're gonna talk spiritual gifts, perimeter church, we've got to first talk about lordship and idolatry. Because how we invest the gifts that God has given us, the abilities, the talents that he's given us, has everything to do with who are we submitting under and are we gladly saying, Jesus, you are Lord, so therefore you get it all. Here's the question for us this morning. How, long, how are long established idols in our hearts keeping us from using the gifts that God has given us? Will you and I begin to pray that God would break the levee, the dam in our hearts, that he may graciously destroy the idols that suck our talents away from his kingdom into ours? Second thing we learn about spiritual gifts in this passage is their varieties and their Trinitarian source. Watch what he says next. He says, now there are, variety, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Varieties of gifts, gifts of grace. This is how uh, one commentator puts it, Simon Kistemacher, he says, the term varieties is in the plural to reveal the comprehensive spread of God's grace to his people. It suggests that these gifts were different in function and widely distributed among the Christian community. So listen, so that every believer has some gift or gifts, but never all of them. 
The varieties signifies that the church of Christ reveals unity in diversity. Interesting. He goes on and says this, no one in the Christian community receives all the gifts and no one is without a gift. No one. Paul clearly asserts that the Holy Spirit allocates them to each person in the church, to the one this gift and to another that gift. The Spirit neglects no one. So that the totality of talents in the church constitutes a rich reservoir of ability and proficiency. It's a beautiful display, the church is, designed to be by God a beautiful display of all types of gifts and abilities and talents that God has given that corporately together, unified together, though diverse in gifting, demonstrates something glorious that benefits, it edifies the church and changes the world. In this chapter, Paul lists nine gifts He says, wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, faith, healings, miracles, spiritual discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. But his intent is not in any way to make a comprehensive list. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, there are somewhere around a total of 20 gifts listed. But again, not meant to be comprehensive. There's There's a myriad of ways in which The people of God are gifted. So here's a question that you might be wondering, especially if you're new to the faith, or maybe even if you've been in the faith for a while, but you're still going, I I just, I'm not sure how I am gifted. What's my gift or gifts? So how do I figure that out? Well, one is something very tangible that you can do that can be helpful. I wanna be clear, this is not what I'm about to offer you. It's not an end-all, be-all. It's not gonna just be a a full, a, a pull, a foolproof way to go, yes, this is 100% how I'm gifted, but it's helpful. You can do a spiritual gifts assessment that we've put together. Go to perimeter.org slash spiritual gifts. You can use that QR code there as well. It's about a 10 to 15 minute survey that you can take. It, It helps you see and understand how you're wired. This is not a personality test. This is what are the gifts that God has given me? Gifts of mercy, gifts of administration, of hospitality, of teaching, of of compassion, of you know, the things of that nature um, that can be present within the body of Christ, one thing that can be really helpful. But the best way to figure out how has God gifted me for his service in and through his church is to serve. To invest, again, going back to last week, to invest the time that God has given you to make yourself available to serve in the context of the mission of the church. And as you serve, you'll learn about yourself. You'll serve in some capacity here and either go, man, this is exactly what he wired me to do and I'm good at this and he's gifted me to do it. Or you'll serve in some capacity and go, you know, this is good, I know it's helpful, but I, I don't think it's where I'm gifted and so try something else. And keep trying different things until you find, yes, this is where God has gifted me to serve in and through his church. He says there's a varieties of service. That Greek word service is the same word that we get for deacon. It means services that are performed within the context of the church. The ways in which we meet each other's needs and move towards each other with gifts of service. He says there's a variety of activities in verse six. This is the word, you might think activities and you think 
programs and lots of things to do, this word is actually getting at where we get the English word energy. We get the English word energy or energetic or energized. This is getting at the action as a result of God's energizing power. So in other words, he's saying, look, there's gonna be a variety of gifts in the context of the church. There's gonna be a variety of ways in which we serve each other in, in the context of the church. And we do it through the power of the spirit within us with his energy, not our own. It's his work, not ours. But watch to what end, where does all this come from and who does it all go back to? First Peter helps us with this a little bit too as he's talking about gifts. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Listen to this in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Peter doesn't want us to miss that when we start talking about gifts, it always has to come back to this is not for us, but for him. It's not so that I might get glory or recognition or, or, or anything along those lines, it's all to the glory of God. And now if we go back to the first Corinthians passage, did you catch where the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are present in these gifts that Paul is laying out in terms of their varieties. He says there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. He says there's varieties of service, but the same Lord, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have God the Spirit, God the Son, and then he says, and there's, a, there's varieties of activities, but it is the same God, God the Father. What he's saying is this, in all of these varieties of gifts, of services, of activities, of energy, it's all about him. It all comes from him and it all goes back to him. The giving of our talents to God is for his glory, not ours. And here's why that's important. There's been an unsettling, uncomfortable movement within the church over the last few decades. Certainly always been present in the church, but it is perhaps at an all-time high. And it's this, we have become far too infatuated with giftedness over godliness. We will elevate giftedness at the expense of godliness. Glorifying God with our spiritual gifts is anchored in a life of godliness that cares most about his glory. And oftentimes we will honor giftedness and we'll say, yes, you were so gifted at that, but not necessarily examine godliness. Do we care most in sharing our giftedness, investing our giftedness that God has given us? Do, do we care most that God would get the glory, even if I never do, if I'm never recognized for it, if no one ever sees me do it? If my right hand never sees what my left hand is doing, can I be content with that? Because it's not about me. It's about the glory of God and the furthering of his kingdom. The third thing we learn about spiritual gifts in this passage is that they're for the common good. Verse seven says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. 
So I've said a lot, I've talked a lot about spiritual gifts and primarily in the way of how it edifies the church. But our giftedness as people of Jesus, spirit-filled people of Jesus, is meant not only to be used in here, serving in this capacity, in the, in the context of the gathered body, but just as importantly out there, in the, scat, in the scattered body, so to speak. In other words, what you do at work and in the home is just as important in terms of how you use your gifts there as what we do here. Monday through Saturday is just as sacred as Sunday is. I said it at the beginning, we have to hear it again. The way we use our gifts and talents in our homes, I'm sorry, that, uh, this, this statement, spirit-filled Jesus people selflessly use their spiritual gifts to the glory of God. And that's what edifies the church and changes the world. Now I wanna give you two more statements that breaks that down. It edifies the church as God's people uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit serve one another and embrace unity under the Lordship of Christ. But secondly, it changes the world as God's people uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit bring the beauty of the kingdom of God to broken people and broken spaces. What that means is this, the store clerk who faithfully uses her gift of hospitality is doing kingdom work for the common good. The office manager who uses his gift of administration is doing kingdom work for the common good. The social worker who's using her gift of mercy is doing kingdom work for the common good. The teacher who's using his gift of teaching is, using, is doing kingdom work for the common good. In other words, yes, we use our gifts in here. We serve in here. We, we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ and we allow him to break the levees of our hearts that idolatry would be wiped away so that we can give ourselves fully to him with the gifts that he's given us to the glory of God. But that's not just a Sunday thing so that the church, when it's gathered, would go well. It's a Monday through Saturday thing just as equally important that we would see and understand that even if I'm not called to full-time ministry, God is using my gifts to glorify him wherever he's placed me. So what are your gifts? If you're a Christian, do you know what your gifts are? Are you seeking to use them to glorify God? We wanna help you find what your gifts are. We wanna help you discover those gifts, so come to us and just, if you don't know, just say, gosh, help me understand what they are. We'll enter into a process with you, we'll do that. But I don't want the emphasis to be such that, that the heart is lost in it because I wanna go back to where Paul began the passage. I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about spiritual gifts. I want you to remember who you once were and how the, the way in which your heart was given to the things of this world and to the idols of this world led you to invest who you were and who you uh, were at that time and all of your giftness in that. But this is who you are now. You're bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed by the God of the universe. And you are now his. And so you submit to him gladly. 
as Lord over your life and you say, God, because you have bought me, I give myself and all of the capacities of who I am to you, not for my glory, but to yours. Father, would you help us do that? Would you help us give ourselves fully to you? Help us to see and confess our idols, the things that take our time and our talents and our treasures and suck us away from the kingdom of God and your glory. Lord, even the good things that you have gifted us, forgive us of making those so very often uh, gods in our lives. Or would you help us, help us be a people who first understand what our gifts are so that we may use them unto your glory. Secondly, that we would see all that we do, not only here, but in the world out there, every minute of every day is an opportunity to use our gifts so that your kingdom may come and that your will may, may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you meet with us now as we come to this, this sacrament of the Lord's table? May this be a nourishing time for us. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.